Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. It is Jordan and Garen talking about Garen's message on July 9th. We are into the Psalms and Garen hit on Psalm 8. And uh, Garen, you jumped in with something that I thought was immediately useful. And I love that when a sermon like grabs me from the beginning and mm. I'm already bought in. Yeah. And you hit me with these worldview questions yeah. that everybody's asking. Yes. Whether you're into church or not, whether right. you know who Jesus is or not, everybody has worldview questions, even if you're aware of the questions or not. And we're all asking them. Yes. And I thought that was really cool. That's kind of how you started it because you told us that this Psalm was going to answer the biggest two. Yeah which is who is God? Yep. If there is a God, then who is he? And who are we? You know, um, questions that everybody needs the answers to. And Psalm 8 has a resounding answer to them. Yeah. So that was just a really cool start for me on oh, kind of a personal you, level. Good. So, And actually, now I'm thinking about it, it actually answered a third one, which is the nature of the universe and is created by him mm. and is full of his glory. I didn't even think about that. So anyways, yeah, that's a thought. So, I so it's even hit, better than you thought it was. Yeah, it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was good, but it's, it's even better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so those two big questions, who is God and who are we? Um, this is a psalm of praise. You said it was the first psalm of praise. Yep, first one. Right? Um, and the theme was just the all-surpassing greatness and majesty of God. Yeah. And it really packs it in there. It's only nine verses. I know, it really, it's rich. But it really is maybe like the most dense yeah. psalm. I know. Like there's so much good stuff just right. packed into this that's, tiny that's little That's why I felt like it's the Grand Canyon chapter. of the Psalms. There's like, it's just this amazing vistas. It's not the Grand Canyon because the Grand Canyon's huge. You're thinking of some natural wonder that's like smaller, but just like amazing. Mount Rushmore maybe, just a compact I've thing heard people or? don't like that when they go. I've heard it's oh, underwhelming. Really? I but found something it like, yeah, you're on the right track. Yeah. Something smaller, but okay. just really that's, meaningful. So maybe like a geyser maybe, or yeah, something. Or El Capitan. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to say. Yeah. El maybe. Capitan. That's what this is to me. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. No one else probably cares about that little aside, but for <laughs> us, it was really good to figure that out. Um, okay. Yeah. You said that we see God's majesty in two ways in the Psalm through his creation and through humanity. And that's really where the Psalm takes us. You broke it down really simply for us to understand into these little like groups. And uh, so I won't rehash everything, but just kind of quickly to refresh our brains, because it's been a little while since we heard it. Verses one through three, talking about God's majesty and creation. We'll kind of come back to that. Mm-hmm. Verse four, we'll, we'll also come back to this, that that's the centerpiece, the middle, and it asks us a big question there. And then verses five through eight, God telling us our place in the universe before verse nine, closing out with an extra praise for God there to kind of bring it to a head. So first, let's kind of talk about, before we get into what these sections talked about, you talked about an odd kind of structure yes. that this is written in. Yeah. Is that chiastic structure? Yeah, it was chiastic. So chiastic structure is, is this kind of weird Hebrew literature device, literary Uh device that in English, see, before I knew about chiastic structure, I would read the Psalms and be like, these guys are just filling in words. They're just doing what I did in high school. They had a word count. They had to fill it because they're saying (laughs) the same things over and over. Yeah. 
And right. it's, it was so hard to read. But when you realize that it's written in a chiastic structure, and I think you can explain that to us quickly in a second, you're like, oh, now I see why they say this and then a few other things. And then they come back to this and it's really beautiful. Uh-huh. Yes. So for those of us who don't know about chiastic structure, explain it to us like we're like we're kids and just make it real simple. Yeah, it's almost, I'm trying to think if, if you, it's like a funnel laid on the side. So usually the first line of something and the last line match, say the same thing or similar things. And then if you take it a step in, and so it's a funnel, it's getting closer. Like part two matches the second to the last part. There's a lot of similar things. And then there's a middle part. It'll, it can be more than that. It can have multiple layers to it. But yesterday's was easy because it had the, the big thing at the beginning that matched one and versus one and nine, the second and so if we're one, if it's five parts, the second and fourth part matched different topic, but they matched. And then the middle was, um, the question and in their culture, that was an important device of how they crafted things and people would see it. And if you get used to it, you'll see it in scripture more than, you know, mm-hmm. once you start learning, it's there. So for me, when I sat with this text, that really popped out. I'm like, ah. cause the one and nine are real obvious. It's a total repetition. So if I can make it just really simple for me, so this is, this is how I think of it. So imagine it's, it's nine verses, right? So A, B, C, D, uh-huh. verses one through okay. four. And then the middle, that's how you know what the most important part of the verse is in their culture. Cause they're like, okay, here's the middle and we're going to go reverse from here. And then, yeah, you so reverse then it goes out. DCBA back yeah, out. Uh-huh. Yes. And so in their culture, it was so easy for them to know what the main part of the text was. Cause they just go to the center uh-huh. yep. for us. We're not used to that. So it's a little tougher, but you said that when you got to the center of this Psalm, it was that question in verse four, which is what is mankind that you are mindful of him? Yeah. And that's kind of what this whole thing, it is a praise Psalm to God but it, that this is the center, like, okay, who are we, God, and why do we matter to you? Yeah. And even as I said, but even in that that center, the word you is five times. So it's still, yes. even though it's asking about us, it's still God is the, he's the main theme that runs through all of it. Yes. Um, so that was kind of something I wanted to ask at some point. So now's as good a time as any. What would you say to somebody who came back at you and said, Garen, you're such a humanist, man. This is all, this is a Psalm about God and you made it all about you and you made it all about humanity. And you said we're created a little lower than God. Like, why are you so focused on us when this is pointing to God? So you would maybe come back and say, look at all the times David talks about God. You, your 15 times. Yes. Yes. You have done this five times. Yep. So it really, yes, it it shows the glory of humanity. It elevates us greatly. But only because we're reflecting God's But only because we're reflecting him. And this is all about him. And the two ways we see his greatness is in his creation and in humanity, but it's really all about him. So yeah, we're in a very important part and we need to hear that and know it. And I need to be reminded all the time of who I am in my mm-hmm. in Christ because it's so easy to lose it. You know, when people criticize you or, you know, we all think. Wait, nobody criticizes all, you in this oh, job, no, do they? no, but nah, that's. No, it's. You're talking about your former yeah, jobs. Other, yeah, other pastors get criticized. Oh, other, other people in ministry. Who aren't as good yeah, as you. not. We don't ever, but <laughs> yeah, who are Because you were made just a little lower than God, Garen. So you're, <laughs> you're good. Yeah. And even Jordan, I mean, you talk. So yesterday when I went through those you haves, you know, so you have Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name on the earth? That's the, so if we do this one, like you said, it's A, B, C, B, A. I like how you did that. So the A and the, the A on both ends is that. Mm-hmm. In that B part, so forgetting the middle, but the B part are the you haves. You have established, you have set, you have established down here. You have made, you have made. So that B, the upper B and the lower B, there's that clear repetition of that phrase that identifies it. And then you've got that thing in the middle. So 
just if people don't have this in front of them, it's probably hard to see. But if you got your sheet, I tried to I tried to make it. You can see those five parts, and yeah, that's just how you the way you, and you identify it. And to me, it was beautiful. It's and it helped me understand what are his main points. The main points, the two outside ones, and then the two inside are the two ways we see his majesty. And then the questions in the middle. Was so, it was it Genesis one twenty six that uh-huh. you lay this against? Yep, one twenty six. That was such a cool idea that when you lay Psalm eight against Genesis one twenty six, that it really matches up perfectly. Yeah, and he's David's clearly looking at that as he writes this. Yeah, and being informed by that. Yep. So that was pretty neat. I didn't. I never think of that before. Another cool part um, that stuck out that I just want to say before I forget it more than anything is you talked about the the Lord our Lord uh-huh. that He's our yes, Lord. Yes, our Lord, and how. In their culture, it was very community, but for us in America, it's very individualistic. Yeah. It's always my relationship with God. What's God's will for my life? Yes. I mean, that's what we're always doing. And so it is so helpful to be in a psalm that reminds us that we are a community. He is our God. We're a part of a family. This isn't a an individual sport. Yeah. And so yeah, very good. It's a team sport, it's very a team much sport. so. Yeah. So um, yeah, that was, that was just cool too. Yeah. I love how you, you kind of pulled glad. that out. Cause I, I would not, that I would just breeze right over that. I would think, Oh Lord, our Lord, that's, that's cool. But you really found meaning in it. So very good. Okay. So one through three and then in four is that big question. And then we kind of build out from there. Well, let's kind of sit in four for a second, actually. Okay. Because this is a big question. What is mankind that you are mindful of him? You talked about the starry nights. You talked about the size of the universe. Yeah. I both love and hate hearing that. I love it because I love when my mind gets blown and it just reminds me how big my God is. Yeah. But when I hear how tiny I am, it's almost terrifying. Yes, it is. You know? And so, um, you know that David was sitting under the stars watching the sheep. Oh, like yeah, you, said, you know that. Yeah. And just contemplated his place in the universe yeah. all the time. Now, we don't know what he thought about the universe. He didn't have any concept of how big it was. Yeah. But you can still get lost looking at the stars. Yes. And so, you know... I just imagine him penning this at some point, just thinking back to his days under the stars. Like, yeah. man, I'm so small. I don't know what those things up there are, but there's a lot of them yeah. and they're big. And it's huge and it's far away. And yeah, this expanse is amazing. I don't think you've really lived until you've had a moment like that. Has everybody had a moment where you're under the stars? Maybe that's just I, a Midwestern thing. Yeah, I don't, I can't help but to think that everybody, I mean, I got a lot of nods yesterday. I'm like, haven't we all had this? I think everybody, when you get out there, you're amazed at God. And you're also amazed at like how yeah. small you are. That was really critical in my faith to just go sit under the stars and uh, just think about my place and think, okay, if the universe is as big as everybody says it is and God created me and wants to know me, like that just takes things to a whole new level. Yeah. I'm no longer right. just reading this book for content. There's, yeah. a, there's something really special yeah. going on here. Yeah. So hopefully you've had a time like that. If you're listening and you've never had a special time under the stars like that, Wait for a clear night, yeah. go out in the country, lay on the hood of your car and just look up and uh, spend time with the creator because yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty excellent. Yeah. Or better yet, just go to Colorado and get on a mountaintop. Yeah. I mean, you've been to- in Colorado in the summer. Yeah. Have you ever gone up at night to, uh, what, what's the, the rock, Miller's Rock? Have no, you ever gone up you're not supposed to hike at night. I'm a rule follower, so I don't do that. <laughs> but just there at the cabins. I mean, yeah. you're already at elevation. Right. Cause so you're, like, yeah, you're at elevation. You're far away from any city or anything. Yeah. You're just seeing some fantastic yeah. night yeah. stuff going on. It's... Pretty crazy. Okay, so question four, David. Uh, David hits us with that, and then we're left to think on that, which is one of the most important parts of the psalm, I think. Um, 
And then from four, we kind of build out from there, five through eight, God's telling us our place in the universe, right? Mm -hmm. He's telling us a couple things. Um, he's telling us, does, you said we have like... Our soaring greatness in our, our nature and identity. Yes. And just who we are. Right. And in our responsibility and calling, the yes. tasks that we've been getting, given. Yeah. It's my thought that we have a really weak understanding of both of those things. Yes, I think so. So would you build that out for us a little bit and just like make the pitch to us that that is really rich and then, well, I don't want to spend this question yet, but yeah, so explain that to us. Why is it so important that we understand those things and how deep is that bucket? Is that a deep well or is it just like, I don't know, is it a kind of a surface level thing? No, I think it's a deep, I mean, that's why we did the identity series because so many people, I, especially this day and age, struggle with who am I and am I valuable and do I have worth? And I think so many people struggle with that, ask those questions. A lot of the depression and this, this going on these days is people feel like, and, and we're in a secular environment that's telling us, you just are an accident of the universe. And everybody knows what that means. I'm just a bag of, you know, chemicals. And, you know, we say we, I have worth, but if this is all an accident, I don't. I'm going to die. World goes on. Eventually the sun will implode. You know, what matters? And I, so to me in a secular world, I think we need to hear so much who we really are. And just that idea that God created us a little lower to himself, that's mind boggling. Because there's a, I feel the great gap between me and him. But for even him to say, man, I created you with this and who you are as a spiritual being, you don't know how close you are to who I am. That's just crazy. And I think we need that. I need that all the time because it's so easy to forget who I am in Christ. So to me, this was a way to really dig into the reminder of my identity in him. And then I'm crowned with glory and honor. I didn't even hit the crown very much. But when you think of somebody getting crowned, you know, you're thinking of somebody higher putting a crown on, like that just happened to Charles recently. And that, like that, that's God's view is like, I have put a crown on your head and it's a crown of glory and honor. You know, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, I think it's really rich. Okay, there's a lot there. So let's go back to the responsibility and the calling. Um, we are called to be rulers, co-rulers with God over the work of his hands, Yeah. right? Like in the garden, Genesis yep. 1, right? They yep. are commissioned to tend and take care of it. Yes. So I've been going through Genesis with Tim Mackey. And there's some yeah. really cool language here. And yes. maybe you already know what I'm going to say. I'm not sure. But that, that garden language yes. that he commissions Adam and Eve with to tend and take care of the garden is the same Hebrew language for when they're talking about the temple and God and the commissions priests. the priests. Yep. And he says, you are to tend and take care of this temple, right? Yeah. And so it's not limited to a garden. It's not limited to a temple. It's that it's all creation. It's all of creation. We are, we are called to tend and take care of all creation. Yes. And then Mac even makes this cool part or this cool point that we are, um, we're living in this cosmic temple, right? That uh -huh. the temple was not just the tabernacle that they had, but the temple is God's space and human space coming together. And so that is all of his creation. And so we are to tend to take care of this cosmic temple that he's built for us and that we interact with him in. And so when I read that, I was like, they really knew what they were doing right in the Old Testament. Yeah. The language is so precise. Yeah. And it's so cool. And it's, you might look at Adam and even say, well, they had a job. Or you might look at the priest and say, well, they had a job. But if you read it through the right lens and you realize that thread extends to you in scripture, it is on us as well yeah. to tend and take care of this whole yeah. thing. Because priesthood language is used of us. And exactly that right. was the calling. We're fallen and we don't do it well anymore. And, but that was the, the call. And not just that, but if, if we were to delve into Genesis 2, Eden was, was a small place of the garden. 
Uh, the garden was actually a small part of Eden. Eden was a small part of the creation. And God was calling them to extend Eden, that garden, to all of creation. There was still a lot of chaos out there and he, and the wild. And he was calling them to just work that whole thing out and fill out creation and fill it up and extend the garden and extend, bring more order to it. The order he started, they were going to finish it was, it's a huge calling. And that's why that work series, that's, that's what, that's why we spent like four weeks in Genesis one and two, because we still have that calling on us to, to, to make an impact where we are. So yeah, that's a big deal. And I didn't have time to go into that yesterday. I really wanted to talk even more about that. It's called the cultural mandate, the mandate to create culture and create things. And talk about that here a little bit. Cause that is important. Yeah. What, the, is, I, what is that cultural mandate? The idea. Yeah. Even that, the word cultivate, cultivate the garden culture, it's the same root word in Latin, but that God built so much potential in creation. He built, there was, they, didn't, they didn't know there was gold and there was silver and uranium and all that under the ground. And at that time, they had no clue that, they, that over time, they would, as they learned and figured out, they'd figure out how to make, create iron ore and steel. And just there was so much potential built and he wanted them to cultivate, to create culture. And that's why in Genesis 4, you see them starting animal husbandry and they're doing a metal work for the first time, creating music. Um, it's the, that's what he intended. He built so much potential and he's like, this thing is yours, you know, use it well, steward it well, but there's so much in this. I want you to build this thing out. And it's even back in David, he had no clue. If he saw today, he'd be like, Oh my goodness. Like, or Moses who penned Genesis, like I had no clue that much was in creation. And I mean, we've even gone to the moon and explored, right? It's just, it's crazy. We're sending, well, and that's what he uh, wanted. Uh, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah, well, we won't go. The jury's still out on that one. <laughs> yeah, so it's that cultivating, that cultural mandate to cultivate creation, to expand, to fill it up, to find its potential. And that proverb I love says, it's, it's to the glory of the king to hide something. It's, or it's the glory of God to hide it, the glory of the king to find it. Oh, and to wow. me, it's that idea that God just puts so much into it. And he's just like, I cannot wait for humanity to dig into this and see, you know, learn the mathematics, behind, figure out the mathematics behind this and music. And I, I built all this potential in it. So yeah, it's that calling and responsibility is really huge and crazy. I think the double-edged sword of that though, is that God made this really incredible creation as signposts that point back to him. But then what is, is it? Lewis, somebody says that we worship the signpost yeah. instead, right? That we yep. get so caught up in the mathematics or the yes. idea of space or yep. the what, and it's just like, we can't take our eyes off of it. We got to be people who see those things for what they are. Signposts pointing back to the creator, to the guy that we're talking about in Psalm 8, this king who is all powerful, all deserving of my whole life. Um, yeah, not get caught up with the little stuff. Yeah. So there's even some danger in that beauty. Okay, we talked about responsibility and calling. Um, we're kind of doing reverse order here, but the other thing was um, was God points to our nature and identity, the human greatness that that we are as His reflection. So, can you talk about that a little bit in verse five, where this kind of weird verse, we're made a little lower than Elohim, which is that Hebrew word, which most of the time refers to God, can also refer to angels or other spiritual uh -huh, beings. So, right. depending on your translation, yeah, we could be made a little lower than the angels or a little lower than God Himself. You made the case for. God himself, um, which makes it even weirder of a text. So break that down. Why would this be put in here and how can we be made a little lower than God? Isn't that like a little bit egotistical of us? Yeah, I think. Um, and so the thing, one thing I'd say is because, you know, I don't you hear much about the New Age movement, but in pantheism, all the talk is that we are divine. 
that we're part of the divinity and God saying, no, you're not, but you're made a little lower than me. But it, it elevates. I almost did something yesterday that I, a little diagram that I've used before with people in Genesis that um, it's even hard to explain. So we are creatures and we are created. But unlike anything else that's created, we share in the divine in this unique way that he created us in his image. We reflect him. We're just a little bit lower than him, that there's this specialness that nothing else in creation has. So we're we're separate from God in that we're a creature, but we're separate from creation in that only we have this image and we're just a little lower than him. It's um it's 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 mind-boggling to think of. I don't think we get it because we live we're sinful and broken and I we all struggle with, you know, man, what's wrong with me and all that. I just don't think we see the value that God puts on us and how elevated we are in the whole cosmos. So that's what I was trying to communicate yesterday. Yeah, you did it well. I think it's okay that we sit with a little bit and don't fully grasp it. So much of my style of reading the Bible that I want to default to is reading information and intaking it and understanding it. And it's just not what the Bible is in general. And it's also just really not what the Psalms are. Yeah. It's to be sat with and thought about like when AJ was here talking about just sitting with it for a long yeah. time. Right. There's a lot of value in that. Yeah. So it's one of those, one of those things that we're meant to ponder. We're not meant to fully understand. It's meant to uh, instill us with that, that value because of who our father is and our creator is. Um, and that's all Dave was trying to do. I think it was mission accomplished. Yeah. Good. So, I hope so. That was um, and it was cool how you presented it in the Hebrew. You said, God, how do you say it? God made humans. Um, lower, a little. Lower, That's how it reads little. in the Hebrew. Lower, <laughs> a little. I just, I was That's so cool. struck by that. And right, I, I've been carrying that around. I've been living with this song for a long time, but I've been carrying that around. And I'm like, that is crazy. Lower, a little. And I don't get it. And I can't fathom it. But that's crazy. That I, that's I imagine the Holy are. Spirit giving this to David. And he's like, he's writing it. And he's like, God made humans lower. And then he's like, eh, a little. <laughs> That's in my mind's eye. That's how that goes. Okay. So um, to kind of wrap it up here, uh, the main point was really to think about who is God and mm-hmm. who am I. And you said that we need to know and feel the truth of these, yeah. the answers to these questions. So why is it so key that we know and feel those truths? Why is it not, um, I don't know something that we can just say, okay, that's good to know. Why yeah. do we need to sit with it and really internalize it? Yeah, because we live in a secular age, in a secular age where we hear there is no God or um, everything just evolved and there's no purpose to it and no purpose to you and people desperately need, need to know. Is there anything more foundational than knowing who is God and who am I? I just think they're just so foundational. And I think we need to get the scripture into our gut, not just in my head, but in our gut. And that's kind of what I was wanting this to do a little bit yesterday. Um, A.W. Tozer says, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. Because if you have an, a wrong view of him, it affects everything. And so this was a chance to say, look, he's the creator, the sovereign king of the universe. He's Lord. And can you imagine that he just created everything with his fingers? That's just mind-boggling, right? That was another cool touch that you kind of spent some time on. And I thought was neat. This language of God using his fingers. Yeah. Just kind of that yeah. fine-tuning, that little yeah. like. That just brought so many things yeah. to my mind. That was neat. And yeah, so that we need to know who he is. We need to be accurate in that. And we need to know who we are. And I mean, we've already hit it, but we all struggle with the sense of identity. And am I really valuable? Am I meaningful? Do I really have a purpose? And this spoke to all of that to me. And so, and yesterday, especially first service, they're a little more responsive. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, if you're in second service, you could up your responsiveness a little bit. I've never maybe two cups so, of coffee, two cups of coffee yeah. before you show up. Yeah, don't sleep in quite. So, don't come right out of the bed, you know, like the early risers. But a number of people raise their hand. Like I, I said, who who doesn't need to hear this about who I am? And like a number of people raise their hand. Like I need that. I need to be reminded of that. And so. Second service, not so many. So there's two kinds of people in the audience. There's the ones who raise their hands and there's the ones who still needed it, but who just didn't. <laughs> but we just won't. I didn't raise my hands because I'm not a big participation guy, which doesn't look good probably, but it's just not. You've been doing a lot of a lot of group participation stuff lately in church, Garen. And I really, I have to work on it and be okay with it because I just want to sit there and soak it in. Yeah. I don't like to do the whole, the whole, I know, like turn to your neighbor and yeah, say something. Yeah, when you do that, I... I that's it's a growth moment. We'll just say that. I know. That's why I, yeah, I can do it because I'm up there by myself and right. I don't have and to do it. And it's selfish of you because I know it you is, don't like it's it either. Very selfish. So you know you're um, <laughs> exempt when you're up there. So the answer to that, who am I? Your answer, David's answer, is that we are royalty. Verses five and six yeah, make royalty. that clear. Mm-hmm. Um, talk just really quickly about how that view was different than the view of the day. Yeah. Because today. I mean, people are quick to call themselves kings and queens or to have this really elevated individualistic, like, I am great. Yeah. But talk about how countercultural this was at the moment. Huge. Back then, the the only people who represented God and imaged him in their mind was the king or the, not even the king, the, what did they call those dudes? Like the, the dictator guy, whatever, that they were God on earth in some sense, that they were the only ones that were spoken of of image and everybody else was just a peon. And you serve the king and all of this, um, the ruler, Pharaoh, or any of those guys. And they that that was their view of everything. And the gods, the gods created humans just to serve them. You know, they'd blow them away if they wanted to. That humanity and the gods idea was, you know, they get annoyed. Some of the stories, you know, humans made too much noise, so the gods killed them and wiped a bunch of them out. And most 90% of the people were in extreme poverty and were peasants and did not think in their culture that they were important. It was even that way in Rome and Greece. And this was mind-blowing. The way it elevated everybody to the level of royalty was just really... It feels like there's so many things like that over the course of Christianity where it's like, we have this really, what we would call a really progressive or um, a really like moral view of something, but it's stolen from the biblical narrative and people don't know that. And it, yes, and it formed our culture. And yeah, people don't know it. Yeah. And they look at the Bible and they're like, these days, like, oh, that's an old book that has nothing to do with the real world. It established the real world that we live in. And that's why I kind of made, I referenced those books and stuff because people don't know that. Yeah. We're on the, we stand on the foundation of this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this was very mind boggling. You ended the sermon exactly how I thought it should have ended. So maybe that's why I like it so much. That was but my you, intent brought it back to us and you gave us the ball and you said, okay, the ball's in your court now. You got to do something with this because you said, you know, you laid out the case for this majestic, incredible, eternal God who made this insanely huge universe with his fingers and just painted this picture of like how big he was the whole time. And it was very intentional and it was true to the text. But then you brought it back to us and you said, okay, this big God that we just talked about, who is he to you? Because sometimes it's easy to make that God your personal assistant. Yep, he's just, that's what he is. And you concern him with every detail of your life, not in a not in the way he wants, not in an intimate way, but in like a, are you going to serve me kind of way. Yep. And you just challenged us with like, okay, I've just presented to you this case for this incredible God. Now, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to keep praying those same small, tiny prayers that are about 
making you comfortable? Uh-huh. Or are you going to submit everything to him? Yep. Worship him. Yep. Um, find your identity wholly in being his child. Yep. Yeah, you just, you gave us the ball and yep. I loved how you ended it. That was really good. Yep. Surrender to him. Be like, you know, things aren't going my way, but he knows better. And he's a Lord and he's writing a story much larger than me. So can I surrender to him? Can I, that was my call is, I think this all smacked to me of the Lordship of God. Yes, and, reestablishing the Lordship of God in our lives. And then you even like your last line was like, bang. It was like a haymaker. It was really good. Cause you said, yeah. we are not, there is a God and I'm not him. <laughs> yeah. That was, and that was, yeah. <laughs> Cause I really felt like I needed to drive that point home. Cause I think, especially in Western culture, we do live for comfort yes. and we do think God's our bellhop. Yeah. And we have that, even that's my struggle. That's our time is we want to, we want God to be our buddy and scripture talks about it. He's our friend and he loves us. We miss, we don't talk enough about this. And I do that even myself. And I'm like, I've got, that's the point of this Psalm. So I've got to bring that home. Yeah. Cause I need it. So you said that God is the center of our story. We're not the center of his story. And I was like, whoa, I don't live my life like that. Sometimes I don't pray like that. Sometimes I don't think like that sometimes. So that was incredibly convicting, but also just like a good true North. Like, okay, I can, co- I can leave here today and kind of reorient a little bit. So thanks, yeah. Karen. That was good. It was okay. a great psalm. It was, yeah, I fell in love with it over all the time I was reflecting on it. So it was great to just talk about it. That's a good one to memorize. That's a good length for memorization. Yeah, it's, it would be a good one to memorize. And that's a good challenge because it is. It's a good Do you length. have it on memory right now? Can you give no, it to us? I could, I, the other night when I was just talking through it with Pat, I could go through the ideas and hit most of the words. I mm-hmm. haven't memorized it, but I sat with it enough that I've got a pretty good. Memorization is so hard. Has it always been this hard or is it like because of our culture and our our smartphones and our TikToks and everything? It's like our attention span has diminished so much. Yeah, ancient people could memorize huge, I mean, Jewish people, young men would memorize the whole Torah. Like, can you imagine Genesis to Deuteronomy? I think scripture memory is obviously really, really weak in the church. And I think part of the reason I don't um, get more on board with it is because I'm so discouraged and I feel so bad about it. But that's just kind of who, I mean, I'm not making an excuse, like don't memorize your Bible, but in some way our brain is built that way. We can overcome that and take small steps. We don't need to memorize the whole Torah. That's not God call, God's calling us to, but yeah. that's something I want to get better at for sure yeah. is that. I agree. That this, and this is a good memory. one to do. So maybe we put out the challenge. First person who oh. listens to this, who can come to you and I, oh. who can quote from memory, will. Uh, that means we'll, we have to know it. Yeah, right. We will buy them an all-expense-paid trip to Opie Chicken House. Whoa. <laughs> All right. No, we will. Something. I don't know what. But first person. Oh, who sorry. Chicken House this, is back off yeah, the table. Chicken House. Maybe uh, just McDonald's on 6th Avenue. <laughs> Nuggets. One nugget. Child it'll, nugget meal. Well, it'll be like, it'll be like all-expense-paid trip to restaurant of your choice. And then we'll have Lisa make the super tiny fine print on the bottom with like all the little stipulations like, will not exceed $20, you know, McDonald's on six or McDonald's on industrial are your choices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Garen, Garen will do something special. Yeah. If you can memorize this. No, and I, say here's it. what I'm going to say. Anybody who listens, who hears this and comes to you or I has memorized it. I will give you a book. I'll think about what it is. It might be a little cheap 99 cent one. No, I'm just. Anytime but, but you I get will, a Garen book, I'll that's, have a, a book. that's a useful thing. I'll have a book. It doesn't sound like Garen's landed on the prize yet, but trust me, there will be something. And Garen's a good gift giver. So. Be ready for that. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that is worth memorizing. I think I'm going to take that challenge on myself. Okay. 
well, yeah, we have to, because if somebody starts spouting it off, we got to know what they're talking yeah. about. So, okay. All right, Garen, thanks for doing this. Next week, we'll kind of give us, kind of lay it out for us a little bit. Yeah, so future. I'm going to be on a wedding. David Manor's going to preach this week. He's the head of the Kansas, Nebraska Convention of Southern Baptist. I love the guy. He's great. Anytime I've heard him preach here twice that I sat in the audience, I love what he brings. Remember he did Joshua a few years ago? Yes, very good. And then Corey Schleep, who does Christ First Counseling, is going to preach. And then the, the month's going to finish with Jason Hubner coming fresh out of sabbatical, bringing man, it, man. He is. He'll have two months. He'll be more unshaven than usual. Yeah. So. Be good. Yep. We're going to be at the wedding and then back here for a little bit and then in Colorado for a week and a half where I can go out under the stars every night. So. That's right. Be reminded of your, your tiny place in the universe. Yeah. Cool. Okay. We're excited to do the Psalms. We're glad we're in it. Um, Psalm 8 is obviously great. So let's commit it to memory um, because it's got stuff we need. So thank you guys for being with us. We will see you next week.